me pumped up. Amen. Open your Bibles to Numbers chapter 11. We're doing this series titled In Third Person. It's about the Holy Spirit. Casey, come up with that title. I really appreciate it, especially as a former English teacher. <clears throat> it was always fun to try to teach the difference between first person and third person, and second person, and all those sorts of things. Um, so we're doing this series about the Holy Spirit, and really my heart in this is for you to understand, first of all, who He is and what His mission here is on the earth, and clear up some misconceptions about Him, and then what I really want for you is to experience Him, and um, we're going to press into that next week and the week after, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Last week, I basically just made the point that the Holy Spirit is God, uh, which probably most of you connected with pretty quickly. He's, he's the third member of the Godhead. And then I stressed that He's your comforter, not your accuser. He's not following you around, pointing out all the things that you've done wrong. He is uh, your best friend. He's for you, not against you. Sure, He might... Uh, uh, Put his finger on something if you made a mistake one time and say, hey, that you probably could have handled that better. But he never does it in a condemning way. He's always kind and affirming. And he wants you to know that he loves you and that you're God's child. In fact, that's one of the primary things that the Holy Spirit will say to you is that you're loved and that you are God's child. So if you've ever felt or heard somebody internally, something internally just affirming you, saying you're loved, reminding you of the scripture. One time a guy, I was praying with him and he said, you know, I just never hear God. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, every time I pray, all that happens is I just, I just think about, I just think of scriptures. Scriptures just come into my mind when I pray, but I don't ever hear God. And I said, well, you know, the Bible says that, that when the Holy Spirit come, one of the things he'll do in John 14, it says he'll, he'll remind you of whatsoever I've said to you. Did, did Jesus say the stuff in here? Sure. So if, if you're praying and you hear scripture, more than likely that's God talking to you. Okay. So the guy actually heard God a lot. It's just, he didn't recognize it because nobody had ever told him that that was God speaking to him. And so anyway, we're just excited about this series. Uh, I've got notes that I've been giving out. I, we do these fill in the blank notes. If you didn't get them, they're on the way out there. I don't know quite how I feel about it. Sometimes it distracts me, but a lot of you have told me that you like it, so we'll probably keep doing it. It keeps me honest. <laughs> All right. What we're going to do today uh, is talk about the difference between how the Holy Spirit ministered in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. Psalm 104 and verse 2 says that God wraps Himself in light like a garment. He actually wears light like clothing. The purpose of clothing is in part to conceal, right? That's, that's why we're glad you're all wearing clothes, because we don't necessarily want to see what's, what's <laughs> going on under there, right? So right, right. the purpose of clothing is in part to conceal. The Bible says that God clothes himself with light. Light in the Bible, is synonymous with revelation. So there's this 
paradox where God conceals Himself or hides Himself behind revelation. What does that mean? It means that what you know about God can be the thing that prevents you from knowing more about Him. The Pharisees had these Old Testament paradigms, these Old Testament ways of viewing God that were scriptural, that were real revelation, stuff that God really did in the Old Testament. But because they, they clung very tightly to that revelation, when God showed up in a different way, they weren't able to see Him. The Pharisees missed Jesus because He didn't conform to their revelation of, of the Old Testament. So what I'm saying is we've got to be careful because what we know about God can be the thing that prevents us from knowing what we need to know. There's light hidden behind the light. There's revelation beyond the revelation. That's what God's like. Every time you peel back a layer, there's more light underneath. It's really, really fascinating. So... In the Old Testament, there was revelation, there was light about how the, old, the Holy Spirit operated in things that He did. There were models that were scriptural. But those models, um, in 2 Corinthians 3 says this, they had light or they had glory, but the ministration of the Spirit in the New Testament exceeds in glory, has even more glory. So if we hold too tightly to these Old Testament models or paradigms, will miss out on what the Holy Spirit is doing now. So I'm going to point out three specific things that are different about how the Holy Spirit operates now as opposed to the Old Testament. If you're following along in the notes, number one there at the beginning, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only filled a few people for specific purposes. A great example of this is in Numbers chapter 11. Moses is one of those few people that had the Holy Spirit filling him. And he had the Holy Spirit because he was in charge of two million people in the desert. And can you imagine being in charge of hearing God for two million people? What an incredible burden. I, you know, it's a challenge enough to hear God for yourself personally. But Moses was in charge of hearing God and telling the people about what God said, all these two million people, and it was a tremendous burden to him. And so his father-in-law, Jethro, it's good to listen to your in-laws, all right? His father-in-law, Jethro, said, hey, Moses, you're going to kill yourself doing this, and you're going to kill the people. It's not good for you to personally oversee two million people. And Moses had a, had a light bulb turn on, and he thought, that's right. I need to get some help up in here. And so he... he got these 70 elders, and, and he made them in charge. But in the Bible, it's not enough to, to just pass authority. Authority comes from the anointing, from the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not in charge here just because I went to Bible college or whatever. There's, there's an anointing on my life. There's a, a, a presence of the Holy Spirit on my life to, to um, be the pastor of this church. But anyway, notice what it says in... Numbers eleven twenty four. Moses went out and told the words, told the people the words of the Lord, and gathered the seventy men 
of the elders of the people and set them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to him and took of the spirit that was on him and gave it to the 70 elders. Well, that shows you right there that, that they didn't previously have the Holy Spirit because they were just given it. So first, there's one guy out of two million people filled with the Holy Spirit. He's in charge of everything. That's rough. Then he gets 70 people, and, and God takes the Holy Spirit, doesn't take him away from, from Moses, but also fills these other 70 people. And it says in verse 26, and this is interesting, there remained two men of the camp. The name of one was Eldad, and the name of the other was Medab. And the Spirit rested upon them, and they were of them that were written, but they went not out to the tabernacle. They prophesied in the camp. If you don't get that, so Moses said, wrote a memo to 70 guys to come out to the wilderness. Two guys didn't get the memo. They were back at the camp. They, they slept in or something. But God filled them with the Holy Spirit anyway. That ought to be really encouraging. Has anybody ever not been somewhere where, where you knew God told you to be? Okay, can God still show up and fill you with His presence anyway? So just because you aren't at the meeting doesn't necessarily mean you miss out. God knows where you live, okay? And so these two guys, they're still at the camp, and they, start, they get filled with the Holy Spirit, and they start prophesying also. Now it says, in, uh, There ran a young man, in verse 27, and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, this is the same Joshua that the book of Joshua is about, uh, one of the young men answered and said to Moses, so Joshua said, My Lord Moses forbid them. In other words, Moses, don't, don't, let him, don't let him do that prophesying thing in the camp. Now, why does he say that? He's particularly concerned about these two people in the camp because previously Moses was the only person with the Holy Spirit. Moses was the only prophet. Moses was the most powerful, most in charge person. Now there's two other guys in the camp that are prophesying. In other words, the people are seeing that and they're recognizing Moses isn't quite as special as he used to be. Or at least that's how Joshua felt about it. Moses doesn't feel that way. Listen to what Moses says. Do you envy for my sake? Are you jealous for my sake, Joshua? Would to God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Moses is not a dummy. He's, he's thinking, man, I wish God would just pour out His Spirit on all two million of these people and that they would all be prophets and they would all prophesy. Now, we'll talk more about the prophetic later, but basically it's just saying they could hear God and then tell somebody else about what God said. Because Moses is in charge of all that. He's in charge of hearing God and telling people what God said. And Moses says, man, I wish everybody would be filled with the Holy Spirit and be able to hear God and tell other people about what God said. Well, this skips ahead a little bit, but turn over to 1 Corinthians 14. It's a marvelous verse of Scripture. What's the difference between the new covenant and the old covenant as far as the ministry of the Holy Spirit? 1 Corinthians 14, 31. For you may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and that all may be comforted. Moses' heart was that everyone, that's your blank, 
would be able to prophesy. And in the New Testament, Paul says, you can all do it, one by one. Who in here can prophesy? According to that scripture. Everybody ought to raise your hand. You all may hear God and tell somebody else about what God is saying. In fact, Joel prophesied <laughs> that this would happen. Turn back to Joel. Joel is right before Amos. Amos is a bigger book. Joel 2, 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Does that include you? And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and upon your servants and upon your handmaidens in those days will I pour out of my spirit. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, but you'll notice in letter A, the outpouring is not limited by race, by class, or by gender. In the Old Testament, it was just basically the Jewish people that had access to the Holy Spirit. So Joel prophesied that there would be a day that, that this would be available to everybody, that anybody could have access to the Holy Spirit. And man, we've got to get this picture, guys. This is what you were created for. You were created to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be in union with God. It's really what the whole kingdom's about. It's the greatest gift that we have from God. It's not, not just, I mean, I'm thankful that I'm going to heaven, but heaven without the Holy Spirit in me is not heaven. I have heaven right now on the inside of me because the Holy Spirit's there. Amen, amen, amen. Acts 2. Let's just read the scripture. So Joel prophesied that this day would happen. And then on the day of Pentecost, 2,000 years ago, all this crazy stuff happens. The Holy Spirit starts to fill people. There's tongues of fire on people's shoulders. There's... Uh, wind, there's all this manifestation. And then Peter stands up. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, You men of Judah, and you that dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to my words. These aren't drunk, as you suppose. Their people, their people were acting drunk. They were acting crazy. And um, these aren't drunk, but seeing it's but the third hour of the day. It's too early in the morning. Oh. <laughs> uh, Anyway, but this is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. So he quotes the prophet. So has this already happened? Yes. So Joel said this is going to happen. It's going to be available to everybody. Then it happened in Acts 2, and so now the Holy Spirit will, will be poured out and, and can uh, fill any person. After this letter C, after this initial breakthrough, people are filled with the Spirit all throughout the book of Acts. We won't turn there, but in Acts 10, verses 44 through 46, um, there's this amazing story. The first Gentiles, the first non-Jewish people, are filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, <laughs> it's, it's really funny the way they talk about it later. They're like, they're like well, I guess, I guess Gentiles can be saved too. And, and uh, you know, they, we look at that and we think, oh, of course, obviously they wouldn't be here. But they didn't know. They were the first people to see this happen. All right, so does that make sense? First point, used to be just a few people, and now it's anybody. Are you a candidate? Yes. Right. So actually, I mean, actually, if you accepted Jesus, then you have the Holy Spirit. But anyway, 
In the Old Testament, number four there, the Spirit's presence was temporary and conditional on our performance. I want you to get this picture. Turn back to Numbers chapter 9. So in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, He, he manifested Himself or He revealed Himself in a physical way to the nation of Israel. And what it looked like was a, a big cloud of smoke during the day and a pillar of fire during the night. Now, I would like to see that. That would be pretty amazing. Anyway, and in verse 17, it says in Numbers 9, When the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, then uh, after that the children of Israel journeyed. And in the place where the cloud abode, there the children of Israel pitched their tents. So what's that saying? It's saying that there was this tabernacle, and the tabernacle was built to be filled with the presence of God, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But sometimes the way that God would lead the nation of Israel through the wilderness is the Holy Spirit would take off, the pillar of cloud would lift off the tabernacle and it'd go out there somewhere. And then they'd have to pick up all the stuff and they'd follow Him. And then wherever He stopped, they'd stop. Literally, where the cloud moved, they moved. Does that make sense to you? So in the Old Testament, it says in letter A, um, the, tabern the tabernacle moved where the Spirit moved. So there was always this tension. You didn't know where, when He was going to leave. He could up and take off any moment. <laughs> they didn't, they, I don't even know if there was advanced warning. Maybe there was, but it doesn't say there was. So they had this thing that was created to be filled with the presence of God, but the presence of God could leave at any moment. But you see how that's kind of stressful. And then another thing happens. Not only is there this tabernacle where the, where the Spirit of God could, could leave, but people had the Spirit of God in them and on them. And uh, if they sinned, sometimes He'd leave them. And an example of that is in 1 Samuel 16, 14. We won't turn there for the sake of time. But this guy Saul, you can see it right there. It says, The Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. So Saul had the Holy Spirit on him in order to help him rule the nation of Israel. He was a king, but he sinned. And he sinned too much, and so the Holy Spirit had to, it left him and went and anointed David. And that's why when David got in a sinful situation in Psalm 51, he prayed to God, Take not your Holy Spirit from me. He was stressed about this situation, this possibility that the Holy Spirit could leave. In the New Testament, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Look over at 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Someday I'll, I'll teach this in greater length, but there's a tremendous Old Testament picture of what we have in the New Testament where they transitioned from a tabernacle, which was a temporary building, to the temple, which was a permanent building. And they had a permanent place where they could access God, where they could access the Holy Spirit. And so in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, it says, "...don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit?" which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. Does the Holy Spirit live in this physical building right here? No, I mean, He, he, he 
manifests here on Sunday morning, but where does he live? He lives in you, in your physical, in your actual physical body. That's something to think about. Now look over at John chapter 14. Looking at quite a bit of scripture this morning, but that's all right. John chapter 14, verse 16. We read this last week. Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you for how long? Or until you sin, right? Or until until Casey breaks a guitar string. Until until a baby cries in in the auditorium. No, he's going to abide with you forever. Forever. The whole deal about the Old Testament was that the presence of God, the manifest presence of God, was, was conditional. It could leave. But now you're a permanent residence for the Holy Spirit. And literally, letter A, where you go, the Spirit goes. In the Old Testament, you followed the Spirit around. Now, it's still valid to follow God's leading. I'm not saying we don't listen to God and follow what God's saying, but I'm saying you don't come to church because this is where God is. God's here because you came. Where is God? He's in you. So when I go to, when I go to Walmart, where is God? Well, He's, he's there. When I, now... Do I always feel that? Am I always aware of that? No. But by faith, I know what the Scripture says. The Scripture says He's, he's going to abide with me forever. Yes. He's always with us. And if you will believe that and agree with it, you'll begin to see it manifest in your, in your life. I don't know whether I want to say that or not. I'll, I'll save that for another, for another day. No, I'll, I'll, I'll save it for another day. 1 John 2.27 says, The anointing you have received of Him abides in you. Abides. So, letter B. The Holy Spirit doesn't abandon you because you sin. He's a good father. In the Old Testament, there was this picture of this. Noah... He had a dove, right, when the flood happened. And he had this dove, and he sent out the dove. The first time he sends the dove out, uh, it has to come back because it doesn't have a permanent place to put its feet down, is what the, what the Bible says. Then he sends it out again, and it comes back with an olive branch representing peace. Then he sends it out a third time, and doesn't come back. When the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus... John said it descended on him in bodily form like a dove. The dove is a a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So, what was that talking about? In the Old Testament, God sent out the Holy Spirit, but he didn't have a permanent place to rest because there was a sin problem. And so he he would leave. He would come back. And then he sent him out again, and there was an olive branch representing peace. Jesus came to make peace. We're in Advent season, right, when the angels showed up and they, they spoke to the shepherds. What did they say? Peace on earth, goodwill towards man. Not goodwill among man, 
There's lots of not goodwill among man. But there's all kinds of goodwill towards man from God. So God made peace with man. He dealt with the sin issue. And then he released the dove the third time. And guess what? He had a permanent place to stay. In you. Well, that's, that's encouraging. In the Old Testament, number six, you did religious rituals to access the Holy Spirit. Now, we've got to be careful here because even in the Old Testament, nobody ever earned anything from God. You can't earn things from God. God does things by grace. However, you did have to do in the Old Testament these series of religious rituals in order to to access God. And the best picture we have of that is uh, in 2 Chronicles 7, they they complete the temple, right? And then Solomon puts the Ark of the Covenant in the temple, and then he kills all these animals, all these sacrifices, lots and lots of blood. It was a big mess. And then they got the music just right. They played the music really beautifully. And, and they got everything just right. And then the Holy Spirit filled the temple, the Bible says. All right. Many of us still have sort of an Old Testament mindset when it comes to experiencing God's presence. We believe that we've got to We've got to offer all the right sacrifices. You're not, you're not killing any animals, I hope, in your backyard before you come here. But, but if, if you're worried about whether or not God's going to be here because you didn't read your Bible or, or you didn't fast enough or you didn't do some other religious ritual that we have, I want you to understand that, that the Holy Spirit's not, I'll show you this in a minute, He's not accessed through our religious rituals. That, that was an Old Testament model. Right. That was light, but behind it is a greater, more glorious light yeah. called grace. Yeah. And so let's just, let's just look. So he makes, he makes this statement in Hebrews 9. He, he shows us this. He's making a comparison to how things were in that Old Testament tabernacle. And in Hebrews 9, verses 11 and 12... It says, he's basically making a point. It's not like it was back then. It says, Christ being come a high priest of the good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Remember, it's not on earth, it's in heaven. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once to the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. What, What is it that makes the Holy Spirit able to eternally indwell me. It's not my righteousness. It's the blood of Jesus. What allows the Holy Spirit to come out and manifest in a, in a powerful way like He did this morning where there's... A, where there's if anybody ever experienced a tangible manifestation of the Holy Spirit? You could, yeah. you could feel something yeah. or somebody got healed or, yeah. or something else like that. There was some supernatural thing that happened. What allowed that to happen was not your works of righteousness. What allowed it to happen 
was the blood of Jesus. That doesn't mean that we don't do good works. We do good works. Works, you know, the Bible says you're created unto them in, in Ephesians 4, but we've got to be clear, they don't earn us anything. Amen. You can't earn stuff from God. Amen. So, let's just, let me show you this in John chapter 14. This is really powerful when you see this. John chapter 14 we're going to read verse 2 and 3, and then we're going to skip to verse 23. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. Verse 23. If a man loves me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come to Him and make our abode with Him. When He says He's going to come make His abode with us, is that talking about heaven or right now? It's really talking about right now. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, we just read it. Right now, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Does God live on the inside of you right now? Okay, look back at verse 2. In my Father's house there are many mansions. The word mansions there is the exact same Greek word as in verse 23 for abode. I would suggest to you that this actually isn't talking about Jesus building a house for us in heaven. Now, there, I'm sure there are houses in heaven, and so it's, it's fine, I think, to, to teach that. But Jesus is offering comfort to the disciples because he's about to leave. And the comfort isn't so much about heaven. It is that, but it's really about this guy, the comforter, that's coming. And so Jesus is saying, listen, you don't have to stress out. Yeah, I'm leaving for a little bit, but I'm going to come back. Yeah, many, many, many. And yeah, he's coming, he's coming back, you know, in the future, but he's coming to live in us. He says in verse 2, I go to prepare a place for you. Where is he going to go? He's going to the cross. And in going to the cross, he shed his blood and he prepared a place. He built a habitation. He built a temple on the inside of us for him to permanently dwell in. <laughs> Thank you, sister. So Jesus, letter A, went to prepare a place in our hearts. Letter B, God actually created heaven in our hearts, and now you are forever in union with God. Trying to do religious rituals to get in union with God is um, ultimately legalism, and it, it puts you on a spiritual treadmill and wears you out. Yeah. You don't need to try to climb the mountain of God. Jesus climbed Calvary for you, Amen. and so now... You live in unbroken fellowship 
with him. Again, that doesn't mean that we just veg out and never do anything for Jesus. I work harder now for Jesus knowing this stuff than I did before I knew it. Okay, I want to give you this one last picture of what Jesus did. The first, the very, very first person to ever be filled with the Holy Spirit, that the Bible uses that language. I'm sure there were people filled with the Holy Spirit before this. But the first person that got the Bible uses that language is a little-known character in the Bible named Bezalel in Numbers. And, and Bezalel is the guy that built the tabernacle. He's, he's the guy, the Holy Spirit fills him, and the Bible says it's for the purpose of wisdom and, and skillful craftsmanship. He was really good at working gold and silver, and uh, he was good at building things that were beautiful. And so God gave him a special ability, a supernatural anointing from God to build a really beautiful temple for the Spirit of God to live in. Bezalel is a member of the tribe of Judah. If you know your Bible genealogy, what tribe did Jesus come from? Judah. Bezalel is a picture of Jesus. Jesus said in Isaiah, in, well, he quoted Isaiah 61, Luke 4:18, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, yeah. to open the prisons, to set free the prisoners, uh, to open, and to open blind eyes and to do all these sorts of things. What's he saying? He's saying the Holy Spirit's on me and I'm going to free your heart. I'm going to build in your heart a beautiful place for my spirit to forever dwell. Amen. That's pretty cool. That is. You can play, Casey. It'll sound good. <laughs> uh, so in summary, letter A, what was once available to a select few is now available to everyone. We've got to get past this idea that there are special people that, well, you know, you're a pastor. That's why God talks to you. Well, that's, that's an Old Testament way of thinking. How many of you are born again? You've accepted Jesus. All right, so the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. So can God talk to you? Yeah, yeah now God will talk to me. And God may tell me something to tell you, but you, you need to have your own relationship with God. Moses knew that was, that was not a good way of, of living where somebody was in charge of hearing God for you. Letter B, what was once temporary and conditional is now permanent and secure. Permanent and secure. You don't need to stress about the Holy Spirit ditching out on you. He's not going to do it. He's not. He's, he, he's described like a bird, okay? But he's not a bird. And so he's, he's not freaking out if something goes a little bit wrong and, and leaving. Uh, now, there's some good teaching you can make from that. A minister I really admire has a good teaching about that, but, but he's coming at it from a different angle. So, anyway. Letter C, what was once accessed and maintained through human effort is now purchased 
and preserved by the blood of Jesus. Man, when I want to be in the, in the presence of God, when I want to feel His presence, when I want to connect with Him in a powerful way, it's amazing. You know, I don't have to kill a pig. I don't have to uh, do a whole bunch of rituals. I don't have to confess all my sins. I don't have to do all this. All that stuff, I would kill pigs. But, you know, reading your Bible is good. Praying is good. All that stuff is good. But none of that gets me in the presence of God. What gets me in the presence of God is the blood of Jesus. So I just go before God and I say, Father, thank you that I'm already in union with you. Thank you, Father, that right now I can, I can be connected with you in a powerful way because of the blood of Jesus, not because of anything I've done or haven't done. And man, that is a, a whole lot better than what happened in the Old Testament. How many of you are encouraged by that? So let's stand up. Let's just take a moment to practice here for a second. It sure does help to be aware of the Spirit when there's amazing music like Casey and the worship team do. It, I mean, it helps a lot. But you don't have to have it. It helps to read your Bible. It helps, it helps to pray in the Spirit. But you don't have to do any of that. You can just learn. It takes some practice. But you can just learn to be aware of God wherever you are, whatever you're doing. You can be just as aware of God supermarket as you are here at church. In fact, you need to be. That's the normal Christian life. So, let's just pray for a minute, and what I want to do is, is, you know, there was this amazing analogy that somebody said that, that they used to take, or they, I don't know if they still do this, but they take pilots and they put them in a room and they suck all the air out of the room slowly and the reason they do this is because your body everybody's body responds differently to a lack of oxygen and so they would train people how to how to know that they're not having oxygen so that they could take the appropriate steps if they were in the airplane does that make sense in a similar way the Holy Spirit, when He manifests, it, it looks different to everybody. All right, and the way the way it looks to you may not look like to me, and, and that's all right. What what you need to do is learn how you know, how you experience God. And so it's good to practice in moments like this. I'm going to pray for you, and what I want you to do is just pay attention. Pay attention to your body. Pay attention to your thoughts. Pay attention to your heart, and and God's going to speak to you, or He's going to touch you. I don't know what He's going to do, but the Holy Spirit's here. He already lives on the inside of you. So just be aware. Just practice. Does that sound okay? So just hold your hands out like this. All right, Holy Spirit, right now, in Jesus' name, I release your fire right now. Let your glory come right now into this room. Right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wisdom, power, and love touching people right now. More and more and more. Let your glory increase right now. Let your presence increase right now. 
people to be aware of you. We know you're already here. Help us to be aware, whatever that looks like. Whatever that looks like. Thank you, Jesus. More, more, more. Father, we love you. You're amazing. You're amazing. I'm going to pray for everybody. Let my prayer team come down to the sides here you need personal prayer, if you've never accepted Jesus, now is your day. The day is the day of salvation, the Bible says. You can come be born again and you can have a habitation in your heart for God. If you need some other kind of prayer, you need healing in your body, you need financial breakthrough, whatever it is, God's in the business of answering prayers. If this is your first time, Molly and I will be out in the lobby. 